If you're lucky, you won't ever need to face the devastating decision to put down your beloved family pet. If you have, you know it's a moment you'll never forget. It's only natural that we want to have our furry best friends sticking around by our sides for as long as possible. But is it right to keep them alive for years beyond illness, injury and old age? The US Food and Drug Administration is currently observing clinical trials of a drug developed by veterinary biotech company Loyal for Dogs that could extend the lifespan of some large breeds of dog. What do you think about this? Would you give your dog a drug if it meant they'd be around for two or three or five years longer, particularly if it's an experimental drug, perhaps with side effects? Would that mean that it's best for them? Are you making a decision in their best interest or perhaps it's in your best interests? Have you had, a, had to make one of these choices to euthanize a family pet? Perhaps you made the choice to have a limb amputated or give your pet cancer treatment with the hope of a few more years, so perhaps it's no different in some senses. What do you think about this? 0418 David says, if you know and love your pet, you know when they've had enough. It's quality of life above all. Love to hear your thoughts. 0418 Paul McGreevy is a professor of animal behaviour and welfare at the University of New England. Paul, where do exactly do we draw the line between what's best for our pet's health and well-being, and what brings us uh, peace of mind or, or comfort? Yes, Andy, it's, it's a really excellent question. The way you've pitched it as as drawing the line is is figurative, and I think that a lot of our veterinary clients are assisted by that when they're looking at end-of-life decisions for their companion animal, um, actually understanding that they can draw a line in the sand and then we as veterinarians can give them the tools to recognise uh, as the animal approaches that, that, that line in the sand. And the beauty of that is that it allows the whole family to begin to get their heads around the, the, this awful prospect and also takes the responsibility away from a single family member to make the call. So we're developing tools to help um, clients and and veterinarians understand where that line is um, in the sand for each individual dog or cat um, or horse, for that matter, under various circumstances. This conversation or the prospect of this drug is not an abstract one, although I would agree that there's been some breathless media coverage about it, because this company has passed the first uh, sort of initial key uh, approval process towards FDA approval. It's the first time that the FDA approval has uh, allowed any longevity kind of drug for humans or animals this this far. The company plans to get it on the market uh, year after next. Do you think there's any merit in this drug that it could extend the years of a dog's life or, or is it playing God? Well, I'd like to think that any approval for this this sort of study would uh, ensure that the animal's quality of life is being monitored because increasingly we, we are recognising that we should be talking about health span not just lifespan. Um, every vet will will confirm that that people are very proud of having a dog that lived to, to seventeen or whatever. But that's that doesn't doesn't give any information about the quality of life. So the study itself should have had um, guardrails, as we say these days, in place to to ensure that the animals were not being. Um, 
were, were not being kept as part of the study without without due um, regard to their quality of life. And, and certainly in Australia, studies involving animals require um, daily monitoring of, of um, the animal's welfare. But, but what is different between giving your dog chemo, which has side effects, which does ultimately give them a, sort of a, a lessened uh, quality of life for the short term, ideally, and also, these are decisions you don't know before you undertake this sort of treatment. So, we extend the life of animals all the time. There is an argument that this is no different. How do you think about that? Um, yes, well, we, we do extend the lives of animals um, and veterinarians are required, they're under oath to, to primarily have regard for the welfare of the animals, not just the health alone. So the, increasingly veterinarians are becoming aware of um, what's called the five domains approach to animal welfare assessment um, that, that has health as just one of four physical domains that also include the environment the animal's in, its nutrition and its behaviour. And those four physical domains feed into the fifth domain, which is the mental domain, which is most important to the animal. That's how it feels. That's its affective state. So we're getting better at understanding the difference between um, focusing on health alone or longevity alone. And we're actually developing an app to assist with this um, based on that framework, which has now got global um, recognition. So um, the tools are developing um, to help us understand that extending life um, is not necessarily the single goal. It should be a focus on health span rather than lifespan. Professor Paul McGreevy's here with me. It's 22 past four. We're talking about this new drug which is currently undergoing FDA approvals uh, specifically to extend the life of some breeds of large dogs. Professor, do you know which dogs? It's, we're talking about sort of Great Danes and Bull Mastiffs. Yeah, and so, so that's right. I mean, our own studies um, using veterinary data have shown how, how radically different the, the large and giant breeds' um, life expectancy is to the smaller breeds. Um, and the, but there are some exceptions. I mean, poodles are um, <laughs> a pack leaders in, in longevity along with border collies. So there's, there are some nuances. It's not just simply the size of the breed or the, the, the cross for that matter that, that is critical. Um, that you know, When you hear that border collies are, are among the longest lived dogs, you don't think of them as being um, small. Um, but we know that the, the larger breed, the giant breeds such as the Danes um, are predisposed to, to cardiac disease, for instance. So um, the Part of what, what we're seeing with this, this drug, rapamycin, is an attempt to address um, long-term oxidative stress in, in animals. And, of course, they've got their eye on the human market as well. I'd love to hear from you and your thoughts on, on this. Uh, certainly, you know, have touched a nerve with people that who, who've lost a pet, uh, who are perhaps grieving and understandably, very, in a very human sense, would have liked a few more uh, months or years with their loved pet. 0418 is the text line. Uh, this text says, a selfish act of self-indulgence playing into the greedy hands of farmer profits, live and let die, says this person. Someone else says, Professor Paul McCready is spot on about the five domains of animal welfare. Another uh, uh, animal lover there, clearly. Uh, this one too, 
my wife is a vet of 25 years. For most of her career, the majority of clients could not afford expensive treatment. So the common outcome was euthanasia. It is only in her current role that a much larger number of clients can afford to do the major surgery or cancer treatment and take the option to do it. Pet insurance is only a relatively recent thing here in Australia. The texter goes on to make the comparison with human health. And I've been listening keenly to everything you've been saying, Paul, because so much of what we're talking about can be tra- transposed onto um, human welfare because there is certainly this idea that we can't cheat the reaper forever and what is the quality of our mm. lives. Do you think that there is, and we know from this patent and this application to the FDA, this pharmaceutical company has ambitions for future longevity drugs, potentially with human applications. So a lot of what we're saying really transposes to human welfare as well. Oh, undoubtedly, and and we're recognising this as we as we work in veterinary ethics. We're recognising that our profession has been involved in ending lives for a long time, and it, we argue that we even may have some lessons to teach our colleagues in the medical profession, um, because increasingly they will be faced with the involvement in voluntary assisted dying. And we know that some veterinarians thrive in this space, even though it's very challenging, and others do not. So that's one good reason why we should work more closely um, with our cousins in, in the veterinary, in the medical profession, because um, we have got some, some, some uh, a strong track record in getting this right. Many vets regard being able to euthanize animals as, as the gift. They call it the gift. And that's, co- that's a compelling notion that, that this is something we can do to ensure that animals do not suffer unnecessarily. Um, and again, that's that's the focus of, of what we do as veterinarians. We take an oath to, to prioritise welfare above everything else. That, inc- that includes life expectancy or lifespan, and it includes health alone. Another text asks more specifically about how the drug works. I, I don't want to press you on that, but I mean, essentially, Loyal for Dogs progresses uh, this uh, kind of patent, if you like, which extends the lifespan of larger canine breeds by inhibiting insulin growth factor yes. one. In in layman's terms, does this mean we get um, not so great Danes, like the smaller dogs? Or, or what <laughs> no, it no, mean? it's a bit late in the, the, the life of the animal to, to start shrinking it. Um, but it's, it's a good question, Andy. Um, there are there are we're. Inc- the understanding more and more the the role of insulin in um, wearing us out basically and and so they're, they're very understandably coy about the mechanisms that underpin this um, but they're 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 appreciating that um, insulin growth factor one has um, has an effect in wear and tear across an animal and the larger breeds they're bigger than they should be in, in evolutionary terms we've managed to do that to, to the the wolf and make it into a great dame that's the price they're paying is that they're, they're wearing themselves out quicker and this drug can seem to arrest some of that process. You've touched on something I want to ask you about. We In the evolution of domesticated dogs, we've bred them for different colours and sizes and different attributes, whether they be physical or personality. A lot of pedigree dogs don't live as long as mixed breeds. So there is this conundrum about a drug that may extend the life of your dog which has been artificially shortened because it has been bred to be a pedigree in the first place this is some challenging ethics right here oh undoubtedly yeah i mean our own studies have shown that color 
within one breed can affect life expectancy. So the chocolate Labradors uh, are, are living a, a, a shorter life by one year compared with their yellow and black counterparts. So we've got, we know that there are, there are things that we're doing that are influencing um, life expectancy. We also know that there are things we're doing that affect quality of life. And if you, if you think about the, the popularity of short-skulled dogs, that's a great example of a human desire to have a certain sort of dog in their world, but the, the failure to recognize that these animals um, struggle to breathe throughout their lives. They have increased oxidative stress, um, so they're basically struggling to, to get their acid-base balance right for physiologists out there, and they live shorter lives that require more veterinary care. So, yeah, uh, humans need to address that sort of um, uh, failure, I think, um, first um, before they start reaching for these injections. As a species, we really are a vain bunch, aren't we? We change these poor creatures into figments of our imagination and then uh, want them to hang around even longer just to soothe us uh, whilst their health is ailing. Uh, Professor of Animal Behaviour and Welfare at the University of New England, uh, Paul McGreevy, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. You're very welcome. Thanks, Andy. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.